are you out there? Oh, it's so great when I walked in today and there was just such a presence here. How many of you felt like God really like touched your heart and worship? Yeah, I know. It's incredible. Uh, Brian, are these, where's Brian Messina? Are these heaters your biz, you're doing? Oh, let's give him a big hand for being warm. <laughs> I mean, man, I didn't expect that. I was like bundled up ready. I saw some people with hats and gloves and then you walk in here and it's just amazing. So give him an extra big hug. Let him have a God sighting today of like how wonderful he is, how wonderful God is. Uh, because we're so loved, he feels like, oh, wow, I saw people so warm and cozy, and it makes me feel good. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> well, don't forget, if you haven't signed up for Holy Ghost Forum, we're in for a treat. See Bert back there. Bert, raise your hand wildly. This is Bert back there, and he can help you, like, with registration information, how to sign up, whatever. That's going to be a great time this weekend. It's going to be really good. Well, we've had incredible time. How many, anyone here from Pumpkin Fest, by the way, for the first time? No, not, <laughs> everyone raised their hand. I know you were at Pumpkin Fest, but anyone here knew that you're visiting because of Pumpkin Fest? Anyone? Just thought I'd kind of check it out. Um, anyone who helped at Pumpkin Fest, just stand really quick. We just want to give you a quick hand because it was an incredible year. I mean, wow. So many people from the community came and I, I was like, uh, I think Terry came to me and said, eight people are coming. Um, there was another guy who came and he went up to one guy with tattoos and stuff and said, Hey, I got a question for you. You go to this church? And he said, yeah, why? And he goes, what do they think of people like us? <laughs> and so the guy said, well, they love me. <laughs> it's awesome, right? But that, that to me is what Pumpkin Fest is all about. And Christmas Festival is breaking the world's false image of what church is. Right? It's not about dead religion. It's not about like... People who are not genuine and transparent and loving, right? It's people who are real and they can come and anyone can come and feel the love of God and feel that they could belong and be brought into the family of God. That is the heart of why we do these festivals. It's evangelism. It's representing Jesus and church to the world so they can see what it's really about. That should have been an amen dance around the room. Woohoo! <laughs> well, I want to talk a little bit today because we've been talking a lot about establishment, the gospel. We've been talking about love. Many of our leaders went through the first round of, you know, like um, first love to love. And that was a powerful time for many. We've heard testimonies. People have come and shared some of these things. And we're going to open that up as, as just a normal part of our rite of passage into the church membership, like, like Encounter is and First Principles is. Um, but I want to talk a little bit today on this. 
if you were to title my message, right, it would be living under the influence. Can I hear an amen? We're going we're gonna to qualify that, of course. But I want you to open up to 2 Peter 1 in your Bibles. You should be a little familiar because we looked over this about a month, ago, month or so ago, two months ago. And I think like Josiah referenced it in his message. Verse 1 of 2 Peter 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. That is a cool term. Multiplied. Multiplication. It's not added to you. It's multiplied. Grace and peace be multiplied. We live with a a God that is so abundant and so amazing. He deals in multiplication, exponential multiplication. His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Through the, true ver- through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. His excellence, we talked about that. Erte, meaning power, moral excellence. Really what it means, it's trying to convey the idea that he has given us everything for life and godliness, which is, you know, living the way Jesus told us to live. Through his grace through his glory and his virtue, erite, meaning the power to change your life, make impossible changes in your life possible. The power, the power that is from God that allows your life to change in a way you couldn't change it. This is like amazing power available for your life to be transformed. That's what the concept of that is. That it's, it's moral excellence, but we can only get the moral excellence this is referring to by the power of God enabling us to change and grow. This is how, Christians, how the world will know we are Christians. By our love, which is agape love that only comes through the power of God enabling us to give our lives away sacrificially like Christ did on the cross. That is agape love. That is will convince and witness to the world in a way that nothing else could do. No words that you say. Through these, through these things that we're talking about, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. I found something in this verse that I've never seen before until this morning, and I have studied this thing over and over. It's one of my most favorite verses. I preached it for decades, literally, because of the divine entrance. My first time I preached it was in Netherlands, in Amelo, at a large church there. And I was always into castles and knights and swords. And so I brought a sword that I had bought in Spain on this first trip. This was so long ago. What was it? 90... 
97? First time to Europe when we went to Spain? And, okay. Well, I bought this Spain, this, this sword, and I went to this church, and I preached on the, the, the abundant entrance out of this Second Peter 2.1 verse. And it says that if we do all these things, I, I preached a few weeks, two months ago, but if you do all these things, an abundant entrance will be made. And then I went to Revelation and preached about this, what heaven is like and what our first encounter when we walk before God and are welcomed into heaven, what that looks like and what heaven looks like as described in Revelation. And then I invited everybody to commit to a life of discipleship and following Jesus and prepare for the divine entrance and I went around and dubbed everybody on the shoulder with my sword. And so this marked this church. They talked about it forever because who, what crazy American brings a sword and starts like dubbing everybody at this church, getting them ready for the grand entrance into heaven. (laughs) Sean Foster does. But what I saw this morning after going over this over and over is this word promises. And when I started looking at the Greek, it was through these, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent effects. You read promises and you think of something coming in the future. Somewhere in the future. But it's not that at all. It's saying that through these, through this incredible glory and power that he has given to you, folks. He has granted, past tense, to us his precious and magnificent effects. 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 Influence. Meaning that he's given us an opportunity to come under his influence. And that's really the heart of my message today. And I want to tie it into what Steve's preached on, you know, love even last week. Effects means a change which is a result of consequence of an action or other. So these promises are not made for the future, but for transformation of your life as a fulfilled promise. He has granted us, past tense, his valuable and magnificent effects from the influence of his power. This is what Arete talks about. It's this moral excellence that comes because you're under the influence of God, your creator, and his power is surging through you, bringing change that you couldn't bring before. So that by them you may become partakers of his divine nature. It means that you're so under the influence of the power of God that your life is changed. And as a result of being under the influence, you become an active divine nature participator. And I looked in the Greek and one of the transliterations, which is just really cool, is it says, you may be becoming... You may be becoming of divine communioners. It's awkward, but it's incredible. It's incredible because God wants you to become a communioner of his divine nature. I just love it. I, I, I like read this. I was stoked. 
You know, like we come and take communion. Well, he wants you on a daily basis communioning with him to become a divine partaker and come under the influence in just as a real way as you would alcohol or any other drug that you would, it would be noticeable and have a supernatural effect on your life. And people would go, huh? You've seen drunk people. They're annoying. They stumble all over like this. And they think they're walking straight. And see, as a believer, you think you're just walking according to your natural way. But you are so steeped with the power of God that it causes people to say, what is going on with this person? I, some of you don't get it because there was only one amen. Come on, Sean. Do you ever notice the people that are under the influence of alcohol don't realize they're under the influence? Why? Because they're under the influence. And I'm telling you this for a, for a real serious reason, because when you are truly under the influence, you don't even really realize it because it is a supernatural work that's taking place that God knows about and you don't necessarily. Do you think Peter, when he was walking, his shadow was falling on people and they were healed? Do you think he went, oh my gosh, I feel it right now, the power of the shadow. No, he, he didn't. I truly believe in him all my heart because God is a God that works naturally through us as though that we don't even realize what's happening. We speak sometimes and we don't even know what we're saying. We're just saying things that we feel we ought to say and the Holy Spirit's going whoosh and moving through us. Same way when you pray in the Spirit. You're praying. Your Spirit is uttering mysteries. You're not necessarily understanding. And then these thoughts start coming in your mind because it's a revelatory exercise. And you're praying and these thoughts come and you're like, oh, that's strange, huh? And you're just constantly just writing ideas and writing things down that you're going to test before truth in the Spirit. And that's God's manner. I don't believe that God wants us to walk in this whacked out, disconnected. I love Roberto Miranda. I loved him so much. I still love him, but I, he's not around anymore. But one of the profound things, he was amazing at con- maintaining the, the tension between supernatural and natural. And he just said, Sean, when you're truly filled with the Spirit and is, it is dissipated throughout everything you are, you don't look crazy. Because the Spirit of the Lord has just been filled throughout everything you are and what you do and how you speak. And you come across in a very natural seeming way, but there is power infused throughout everything. That's what transformation is like. And, and when you're under the influence and you're seeking him, you are being changed in ways you don't even know about. Deep things in your heart being washed and recreated and renewed.
Glad someone's awake here. I love this, you may be becoming, because it's these effects. Living under the influence causes you to be becoming, be becoming a continual process. Partakers, participants, divine nature, communers. Steve talked about pursuing love and desiring spiritual gifts. So I just want everyone to understand that this this pursuit of him is... In one way, it's passive. You can't do anything about it. All you can do is put yourself in a position to receive from God. Right? You can't make it happen. But you also can't just sit and go, Is it happening yet? No. You live and you walk with Him. And you go through life and you go through trials and you go through... And you're constantly... Making yourself available. That's the, that's the almost like the more passive aspect is, is this. But I, wanna, I want to balance it with this active role of stewarding and responding properly to God. Because you cannot compartmentalize this thing. It's not like a toaster you can take apart and put together. It's like a cat where you can't take his heart out and say, oh, how interesting. Okay, we'll put that right back in. You don't dissect that. Once you dissect it, it's gone. And you're a living being that's very complex, and it's not just about... And humans are amazing pendulum people. And they go from extreme to extreme until later in life, hopefully, the pendulum dies down and they kind of settle in the middle somewhere, which is a tension between both sides. It's walking in... Maturity. You know, like, being loved causes you to be able to love. And, and that's, that's the first part of the gospel is, is knowing he loves you. You know, this, this was powerful because some bypass that and start getting to doing what you should do. So I want to break this down a little bit because, you know, you got to think about this holistically. You can't compartmentalize things. You can't say, oh, it's all about love. Well, no, it's not. Faith without works is dead. And if you just, the Bible says, if you say you love God, but yet hate your brother, you are a liar. Why? Because there is a correlation you cannot dissect between supernatural claims and earthly living. It's why first principles isn't about learning a doctrine. It's about learning a way of life. Truth lived out. Truth lived out. You can't say you're mature and your family's a wreck. Your marriage is a wreck. You haven't learned to work out the truth. Now, there's times where you have to persevere through that stuff, and through it, God is teaching you, saying, are you learning? Are you learning? This is my discipline. This is my, my exhortation. I'm laying out a scenario, a training scenario before you. Will you walk through it successfully? Will you learn my voice more? Will you learn character more? And I just love this because we are partakers of this divine nature in an active way where we're starting to see right off the bat effects. 
of a supernatural God impressing upon our life. And it says, having escaped the corruption that's in the world on account of lust. This word, this, this in the Greek, is fleeing from the world system of on feelings. This is, it's just the way that this is broken down. And the Greek is amazing because it's basically telling you this corruption. It's, it seems like it's like, if you pursue God, you'll just escape this corruption in the world through lust. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It's just like, oh, it, it seems like if you do this, then whew, I made it. I'm out of the world. But it's not. It's talking about when you become an active pursuer, a communioner of divine nature, which is, we'll talk a little bit about how we do this, but when you become this kind of person, you're escaping. It's an active word. You are fleeing the world system, and the world system operates on feelings. It's on feelings. That's what lust is. Lust is operating on feelings. It's allowing feelings to lead your life. It's allowing feelings to dictate how you see things and how you, you're like, I feel. Have you ever talked to people like that? I feel like, I feel that is the world system. It's, it's a system of lust. It's a, lust is literally means on feeling, on feeling. And I understand people who talk like that are saying, I feel to say to the other person listening, I'm not saying it's true, but I feel. Folks, listen. We are not people of the world. We are people of another kingdom called heaven. We follow Jesus. We follow spirit and truth. Feelings are not there. Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. We are led by the spirit and truth. We are not led by feelings. And if you are led by feelings, folks, you are part of the world system. And that is the currency there. Causing you to feel. And then your life is dictated by feelings. And feelings are only followers, folks. Feelings are not leaders. Feelings are followers. And you know what they're followers of? Your beliefs. And if those beliefs are lies, like fear, like discouragement, like lies about God won't provide for you, God won't do this, what is that? That is the voice of the enemy because it's defined who he is. God doesn't love you. You are not perfect enough. And some of you need to say, to hell with you, feelings. You need to go back to hell where you came from. And the lie that generated you, I am pursuing you. I'm going to throw you in prison and lock you up in the dungeon forever. You won't come out anymore by the name of Jesus. I'm serious, folks. This is so clear. Emotions are followers, and they follow lies in your heart. There is an inherent corruption when a system is based on feelings. The corruption goes deeper than the feelings at the root. The corruption is the faulty mindset, the lie, 
the belief, the false identity that generates the feelings. And I'm saying, if you follow your feelings, you're not only just a follower, you're a follower of a follower. Follower of a follower? (sighs) No one took the joke. Steve, I feel your pain from last week when you made the joke and no one laughed. Well, I did. I listened to the recording and you were like, oh, no one got this. Well, no one got my joke, but I think it's funny. I, I really think it's funny. You're not just a follower. You're a follower of a follower. <laughs> I'm glad someone got it now. I just had to prime the pump a little bit. but <laughs> Oh, gosh. Lord, help me. We're not called to be followers, folks. We're called to be leaders in spirit and truth. Sons of God, you are not a a little wussy, compromised, wormy individual. You're not some orphan. And I don't even care if you had a parent or not. It's not about that. It's about looking to the one who called you and bought you with his blood and said, I call you a son. That is truth, and that is spirit, because I felt it. (laughs) Come on. You know, let's just pause here. I mean, if you think I'm going on tangents, I'm not. I'm, I'm pausing, camping out, and saying, what does this mean? And then we're looking at it from few different aspects here, but it is clear. I'm following directly 2 Peter 1 and making my way through the text. And helping you see that we need to live under the influence. And we're going to talk. What does that mean? What does it mean to live under the influence and flee from the corruption of the world that's based on feelings? There's three things here. One, is the presence. You need to spend time in the presence. Now, what does that mean? Just in worship? No. It means what? Everyone should know the two things that it means. No. No, 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 no. I just preached on it. Two words over and over and over again. What were they? Oh, oh, spirit and truth. I'm not talking about spending time in the presence being sitting under teaching. I'm not talking about sitting under worship. I'm talking a dynamic encounter where you are engaged with spirit and truth. Because he said in John 4.24, God is spirit. His worshipers must, not should, must worship in spirit and truth. Thank you, someone is awake. Be really good. He's a good example today. Two is hearing. You know, you say, oh, I do. I sit there and I read my word and I pray and I say, Lord, what do we do here? Well, it's hearing. And, and you know, even this first love to love that you're going to go through and in the, in the coming months or whatever, you're, 
It's, it's a practice of hearing, hearing the truth. So that's why some of you, you shouldn't just read the word silently and pray. You should be reading the word aloud where your ears hear it come out of your mouth. And where you read a word and says, God for, so, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Oh, Lord, thank you for sending your only son. You begin to declare and you begin to pray those things aloud. And as you do, your ears hear it. And you start hearing the word. So one is you're in the presence and you're reading and you're praying and you're hearing and you're, you're engaged in spirit and truth. It's not just reading words off a of paper intellectually. You're reading and you're encountering the spirit saying, hey, you just read that. That's for you. And it's, have you ever read something out of the Bible and it just springs up in your heart and you're like, what? That's the Spirit speaking to you and causing that word to come alive and impregnate your spirit to where it becomes to bear fruit and it produces change out of your life. Then we have hearing. It's, it's hearing. It's, it's why the importance of preaching. You need to hear it. It says in Romans 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Third thing is doing. James one twenty three. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer. Okay, this brings into practice, pra- practice. Into, into play practice, praxis even. It comes into you, it, not, out of, not out of legalism, like, oh, it says this, I have to do that, I have to do this, I have to do this. No, it's part of you creating a lifestyle. It's like tech school, Volk school, right? You don't learn a trade by sitting down and taking notes and writing things down, and then after four years, they say, okay, now you're going to go get your field experience. No, it's about like learning and then doing what you just learned And then you build upon that and you build a practice. This is what faith is about. If anyone's a a hearer and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. For once he has looked at his face and then gone away, he forgot what kind of person he was. This is what it's like to hear and not do. And I'll tell you what, all you will create by hearing and not doing is dead religion. And you will have no change in your life. You'll have no power. You'll be like every other individual on the face of the earth without Jesus. Doing is an aspect of accountability, right? We don't like that. You know, let your progress be made known to everyone around you, Paul told Timothy. Why? Because it's the accountability of our faith. I'll tell you what, faith and religion, it is not a private thing. Whoever says like, well, I have my own way, you know immediately they're being informed by hell. It is not a private thing. Where in the Bible does it ever say it's a private thing? Let your progress be made known to everyone. It is a public affair. You are in a glass house being watched by people. It's 
It's, it's true. It should be true. We should want people to watch us. Follow me as I follow Christ. Not do what I say. Don't do what I do. That's another lie from hell. And then we wonder, why don't our kids listen to us? Because we're like, don't do this, but I'm doing it. Now, there are times when you say, this should not be done at home. These are experts. <laughs> right? You have all these stuntmen and stuff. Don't do this at home. I've done this three decades. I understand how to do it the right way without becoming a casualty. Okay. Doing is accountability. Like if you say you love God, but you hate your brother, you're a liar. If you say, oh, I'm super generous and you can't even tithe. That is a clear indicator that says you are lying to yourself. You are not generous. Oh, but I give in other ways. The Bible doesn't say give with your energy. It doesn't say give with your finance. It says give everything. Your soul, your mind, your strength. There are metrics that are easy to stay out of deception. It's called accountability and doing. What do your actions say? Now, we don't start living to perform. No, 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 no. Did you not hear the whole earlier part of my message? Right? I'm saying that when you get to the place of the third part of living a transformed life is that you demonstrate your growth by your actions. Meaning in every aspect. How do you use your time, talent, and abilities? Do you serve? How do you use your finances? You give. Ask yourself at the end of the year, what have I done? And you look, and if it's pathetic, then you know, oh, perhaps this is why my finances are like they are. I, I'm telling you, I'm a true believer. And I preached about it, especially in the season of wealth. I have, I have gone with God after this stuff because he's not after, he's not after a tithe as a legalistic thing. He's after a tithe to see you grow in trust with the most prized possession of your life. That possession buys everything you need to survive and live. And I have personally realized when you trust God with that, you have abundance and he pours out. Now, it doesn't mean there's not times like Paul. Paul said, there is, you can't compartmentalize this. And with the wrong heart, just say, well, if I give, it'll be given back, shaken down, pressed together. Hallelujah. Okay, there's people of pendulum. We're not talking about that. We're not talking that if you give, everything will be perfect and you'll drive an escalade. I'm not preaching that gospel. I'm telling you, if you give to God and you hold yourself accountable to that and it's seen as a lifestyle through your actions, God will see you faithful and bless you and give you more that you could give more. There's, it's, a, it's a partnership. And in a partnership, everyone is contributing together. And he wants that. And if we'll learn to walk in that, then he starts to like, he starts to have fun with his sons and daughters. 
And you might not, like I said, it's, it's, it's not about what you get materially. It's about the process of you trusting God and walking with hand in hand with your Father. And saying, Lord, what would you like me to do? Really, you want me to do that? Well, son, we're in partnership, aren't we? Okay, I could do that. Our actions, folks, if we can't be held accountable to actions, and I'm talking, I'm not talking about a, a Christian police going around and pointing the finger at you. You're big boys and girls. You can do it. You can follow the Lord and spend time in his presence. Encounter spirit and truth. Be a hearer of the word and then do it. In your relationships, how are you? You're held accountable before the Lord for how you treat others. It's in all these things. It's in money. It's in energy. It's in breath. It's in stewardship of your your family, your resources, your relationships. All these things. Like, this is what it's about to live under the influence. It's an active part where you're obeying the Lord, right? And you know what? As humans, we can be very easily deceived. You know why? Because we don't like discomfort. We don't like growth. And so we start rationalizing, well, I kind of do some of this. And we convince ourselves that what we're doing wrong and God's trying to convict us of and bring us into maturity, we're like, well, you know, no, truth and spirit, truth and spirit, truth and spirit. Not on feelings. And our rationalism is usually to protect us from having to face our fears. What if I do this and obey God and he doesn't come through? And the enemy goes, yeah, he probably won't. And you you know what I said you need to say to your feelings and the lies, right? You should practice it. (laughs) No, I was saying go to hell, you lies and you false feelings. So just a few more things here. Like, if you face burnout, it most definitely comes from corruption in the way you view your situation. It's the result of not living under the influence. It's not as simple as cutting down your activity. Since when does giving you more time to do what you want give you peace in your soul and confidence to stand boldly before your Creator? Now, this could be part of it. So don't hear me saying, if you are overloaded and on the point of verge of burnout, don't change a thing. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, doesn't Scripture say, if you seek to save your life, you will lose it? And my point is, when you're on the verge of burnout, I'm telling you the real reason is you are not living under the influence You are living by a lie that says, if you stop, you will not be pleasing. If you stop, you will fail. You must drive and press on hard till you bury yourself in the ground. And what do you need to say to lies? Go to hell lies and feelings that 
if I don't do what you say. No, it should be a place of living under the influence where you say, Lord, you are my God and you are, I am your son. You are a loving father. I just want you to speak and obey, trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Right, Josiah? If you face depression, anxiety, fear, anger, it is a result of not living under the influence. Now, before you get offended and shut your ears, I want you to just hear me out here. I mean, listen, we're talking about burnout. I can speak very boldly that I know what that is like. There's days I wake up and say, Lord, how can I possibly do this? And I'm very high responsibility. I want things done excellently. And then I have to choose, wow, there's too many marbles here. Which ones get to roll on the floor? And I have to make a decision to let some things go irresponsibly. And then you have to walk in the love of God and know I am just as much of son if that marble rolls down the road. I'm going to live in obedience. Lord, what would you have me do today? I'm not going to walk in stress and being burnt out and overwhelmed. I'm going to take time right now and say, Lord... Fill me with your spirit and truth. I surrender my heart, my will, my emotions to you. I ask to be filled right now. You are glorious. You died on the cross. Thank you, Lord, for loving me so much. Oh, God, what can I do? Lead me today in peace. And you come to a place and you give him your life and you follow him. Okay, I'm going to keep going here. It's not as simple as getting counseling or neurotherapy, going to an encounter or journey or internship or first love or taking the right supplements. I am becoming an expert in all kinds of stewardship measures as I get older. So it's all good. All these things I'm talking about, it's good. But it cannot replace the essential exercise of living under the influence. You do everything you can if you're sick. You do everything you can to get better. But you can't just say, well, forget God. I'll just do it my own way. You live under the influence and you do everything in your strength to get well. Though these may help and actually be a vital part of your process to be becoming a partaker, you can't replace the essential exercise of living under the influence. It is living under the influence that the power of God that brings change to your earthly condition. I am not saying that everything will be easy and God promises that you will be, you have no suffering or trials this side of eternity. I am saying that God promises to give us peace, joy, and all we need in the midst of it all. This is evidence of a partaker of his divine nature. This is the witness to the world of the reality of God, his great love and kingdom reign. It, it's the power that says, 
all hell will break loose against a believer, a son of God, and they will not perish. They'll stand strong, shining with the fruit of my spirit. That in the midst of famine, they will be eating bread. That in the midst of all hell breaking loose emotionally, they will stand with resolute peace on their face. I'm telling you, I so admire people like, they get very sick and and they're struggling physically, but their eyes are radiating with joy and life. And you sit there going, how? It's the power of God in their heart. Though we perish on the outside, inward, we are growing brighter, moving from glory to glory and faith to faith. Now, I want to just say this because I felt as I was praying this morning, if this is discouraging to you, if you feel like you fall short and it's only a sign that you, that I just can't do it, I'm a failure. No, it's a sign that you haven't yet understood how to live under the influence. It's not that you're a loser. We're all losers before Jesus. The only way we're winning is through Christ. And there's people that are standing with you to walk you through until you understand. And it's not, it's not telling you the right thing so you understand. It's something clicks in your heart with God as you engage in spirit and truth. His presence, hearing the word every morning. You're waking up saying, listen to me, Joe. Look in the mirror if you have to. I'm not being, I'm not being funny. And begin to read the word to yourself. And speak life. And speak truth. And I'm telling you, I promise you this. The spirit of the living God will come upon your tongue and fill you with fire and power. He did not create you to be a victim. Man, I just feel this so heavy. Because I'm telling you, we got to mature. We got to grow. We got to get aggressive. And deal with the enemy. No mercy for the enemy. And I'm talking spiritual enemies. I'm talking lies that you need to hold captive and throw back to hell. Scripture says, consider him who endured such hostility for sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, which in my mind, my definition is falling short of the mark, falling short of perfection. Anything done without faith is sin, the scripture says. So this broadens it. It's not just going out and womanizing and drinking, getting drunk. It's anything that you do where you fall short of the perfect mark of God. Folks, that broadens it quite a bit. And the scripture is just saying, don't grow weary. Don't lose heart in your struggle against falling short of perfection. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. This is Hebrews 12. And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as orphans. Ah, No. No. You forgot the exhortation. You forgot your identity. You are a son. You are a daughter that's called by the king's name. You are called by name. And he's saying, rise up. Let me fill you with your power. 
I'll give you everything you need for life and godliness. Just rise up, look at yourself in the mirror, and see yourself as the son I've called you to. I'm telling you, some of you really, you should stand in front of the mirror and you should say, Sean, you are awesome. You are called by name of the Most High King. Walk in his royalty. Walk in his favor. Walk in his confidence today. This isn't some like positive thinking exercise. Like, I can do many things. I am prosperous. I am able to balance numbers and start businesses. And I am able... No, this is about you telling yourself, remember who you are. God has called you and named you. He's bought you with his blood. I'm telling you, this, this is your homework. Then you can all testify in life group about how amazing your week went because you started walking in confidence and in truth and spirit instead of lies that drag you underground. And then you talk about how you changed your life and you decided as a result, I'm going to live differently. I'm going to, I'm going to hear and do. The presence, hearing, doing. You've forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as son. My son, do not take lightly the discipline of the Lord and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. And many times trials are seen as, as judgment from God. It's, it's not supposed to be that. It's where you're supposed to rise up and say, oh, a trial? Here we go. Time to shine. Look in the mirror and say, get ready, Sean. See the trial outside your front door? Well, God's going to move through you in a powerful way. His spirit right now is going to fill you. You are a son. Rise up and be a son. Execute that scepter of authority. Extend it. God's going before you. You'll be like Moses that parts the Red Sea. Put the staff in the water. We got to end. I'm just going to close with this. I, when I went to my first encounter in Indiana, it was probably one of the most powerful times of my life. Up until that point, in ministry, I was trained even by my pastor. You never let your hair down in front of the sheep. If you do, they'll bite you. Really. This is what was told to me all growing up for 12 years as I was being apprenticed. You are not part. You are a shepherd. Lead the sheep. Don't let them see who you are. That what, that's what let your hair down means. Don't let your hair down. So there was always this thing in grain that says, don't let them see who you really are because they'll pick you apart. They'll eat you up. And that is very true, by the way. But I went to this encounter and there was a guy we had watched Passion of Christ and um, that scene of Jesus that we show in the encounters. And I just was undone. I just started weeping. And I've been in ministry, I don't know, what was it, 12 years maybe? Full time. No, since 88. My goodness, that's 24 years. Full time ministry. Whatever, if I got my math wrong, I'm kind of under the influence right now. But 
I remember there and I watched it and I started weeping and I was, I had this vision where I experienced it. It was like so real. And I remember Jesus being bare chested and I just fell into his chest weeping. I said, you are so strong. You're so amazing. You're, I'll do anything for you. I give you my life. This is after 24 years of ministry, but I'm like, I'll give you my life. And he turned to me like, I remember it so clearly. He said, I won't receive any of it. And I went, but I'll do anything. You've done so much. He said, I won't receive anything from you. I've done everything without wanting anything in return. I can't tell you what it did to me. It dismantled me to where I realized God loved me and he gave me his life for nothing in return. Not to win my allegiance or have me as a new servant. And then I remember that, you know, in the next session, we're talking about sexual purity and everything. And this is what bothered me the whole time going to my first encounter is I didn't want anyone to know. You know, I was even saying, thank you that this is such a private inventory. Thank you that we don't really have to share it. We just throw it in the fire. And that's why, listen, folks, any of you who haven't gone to encounter, you got to. This was, this is what I went to. I went to the same thing we do here, right? And I remember feeling that I'm going to, I'm going to die with my secrets. No one needs to know because I can't let anyone know my secrets because it'll disqualify me. So then this leader in the church that's on staff gets up and shares about his previous struggles with homosexuality during the sexual purity session. And I can't tell you, I was like, my first encounter kind of fed this, right? But I, I felt like screaming out to him, stop, what are you doing? You can't share that stuff, you're in ministry. And God's like, oh, I thought I told you just an hour ago that I don't need anything from you and I won't receive it. I called you without any strings attached. I expect you to serve me, not because of anything I've done for you. And so anyway, right there, I started weeping again. And I laid down all the expectations I had of myself to be a certain way and all the the facades that hid who I was and all my secrets. And I literally went up front and as I was going, I said, I'm going to find someone I don't know. So I was going to go to this old man that was in, in, in Indiana and I was going to go to him, one of the pastors on staff. And I said, no one will ever know I talked to him or shared anything. And he said, no, I want you to go to your best friend over there. And I'm like, oh, and he said, it doesn't matter what you've done or who you are. I love you and called you without anything in return. So I walked up to my best friend at the time um, in ministry, and I started telling him every single secret of my life. And then, you know, when you get free, I start telling everyone in the church my, my secrets. So they were no longer secrets. But I wasn't motivated by someone holding a gun and saying, confess everything. I experienced love unconditional love from the Father and had an experience in the Spirit with truth. And it changed everything. And from that point on, 
I don't have to be any different person. I be who I am, good or bad. And if someone doesn't like it, oh well. The only person I care about is the Lord and letting him change me and lead me into a different place. And I've come from a very bad past of people pleasing to now not caring. I, I, that's a lie. I do care because I emotionally go through turmoil when I'm in conflict. You can ask Stephanie because someone said the other day, oh, so you don't even care if, if you're in conflict. And Stephanie said, no, he does. Because I walk around the house going, oh my gosh, oh Lord, I'm in anguish. It's like that Martin Luther movie where he's going, God, and he's all night he's in torment, right? But the point is, in the end, after all my tantrums and my torment and my screaming and crying, I say, your will be done, Lord. I will do this. I'm going to do it. I don't care how I feel. I don't care what happens. I'm going to do what you feel I feel you need to, I need to do. And folks, this is what I'm trying to tell you is that I'm not preaching to you a message of live under the influence by performing for God. I'm saying live under the influence and receive his love, receive his nature, and start hearing and doing the word from a place of love. Extravagant love. Because when you do it that way, there is no thing as burnout. There's no thing as sacrifice. There's no such word as sacrifice. He can ask you to sacrifice your son like Isaac. And what did Isaac do? He wasn't like, I don't know. He was like, be it unto you, Lord. And he started walking on the mountaintop. And God said, man, he is one person motivated by love and trust of me. Stop, Isaac. I'm not wanting you to kill your son. Take that ram in the thicket. My point is, is that Whatever God calls you to do, you will be able to do it because you're coming from an abundant place of love. He loves you. And you've heard the word and you begin to trust him. It's not out of dead religion and legalism. I'm going to pray for you right now that God would just start something. Start something fresh in your heart. Cause you to be able to spend time in his presence and just engage with spirit and truth. Hear the word and do it and start seeing the effect upon your life. The divine effect of his nature on your life. Instead of grumbling and complaining, you'll go to your prayer closet and you'll start to say, Lord, I have a bad attitude now. I don't want to talk. I just want to receive from you. Lord, fill me with your spirit and truth. Give me your mind and your heart on this matter. I found, folks, that if you're really frustrated with someone, you get a lot further if you take them to God and say, Lord, get them. And you know, in the same way that he gets those people, he ends up getting you. Father, thank you for what you're doing in our heart, in our community, in our families. Lord, I pray you help us live under the influence. I pray that you put a hunger and a desire in us to live under the influence. We're not those crying out without hope. We are ones who have already had the promises realized in our hearts and our lives and our minds. And those we're walking as living testimonies of fulfilled promises. I pray you pour out your spirit on each person here, Lord.
Lord, that not one person would leave discouraged or offended, but they'd be convicted and given hope that you eagerly desire to pour out your spirit upon them and your truth. Thank you for the season that we're in, Lord. Lord, so much is happening and so much is taking place in the heavenlies. Shifting alignments, miracles, signs and wonders, miraculous provisions, increase. And Lord on earth, it looks like growth and trial and tribulation and uncertainty and many questions. And Lord, we choose to look into the heavenlies and see your truth and see what your spirit is doing and pray that a corresponding emotion floods our heart with expectancy and faith and not dread and fear. Not doubt and unbelief. Come on, take a few minutes and respond to God. Just customized. Talk to him. Because I know as, as I've been preaching, I know that God was chattering in your ear. Speaking. Some of you even in your mind assaulted him. Really, I see this. I see some of you are like, no, I'm not that way. Some of you are like, my precious. So respond to God. Just, just be honest. He doesn't want you to lie and deceive or rationalize. He wants you to just say, Lord, oh, I'm struggling so bad. Or he wants you to just call up higher, take a big, deep breath and say, let it be as you wish, Lord. Bring it on. I open my heart, my mind, my emotions. I take authority over those lies. I come to a higher place of beginning to declare over my life truth. To prophesy over my life the word of the Lord. And I pray, Lord God, that you'd mark this message with signs and wonders as people stand in front of the mirror and they begin to declare and read the word over their lives. I pray that the spirit of the Lord would come and change and shift and empower and pour out upon them. Some of you, some of you are going to start weeping in front of the mirror because the spirit of the Lord is going to hit you and begin to speak and then you're going to be a mess of emotion saying, Lord, you're so good. I cannot believe I was struggling. Why was I struggling, Lord? And you're going to feel the love and the favor of God. And I'm telling you folks, that is our fuel. That is our sustenance to be fascinated with the Lord. We can't do it on our own. We can't make it. We can't perform good enough. We can't meet all the demands. We can't meet all the requests. We can't make everyone happy. There's one person that we pursue and seek to please, and it is Jesus Christ. And if we seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, all things will be added to us, including our marriages and our families. Lord, because you'll guide us step by step. You'll speak exactly what we need to do. I pray for humility to be extended right now. That it would disrupt the enemy's plans for strife and conflict. 
Lord, I pray right now for that third cord to rise up in marriages right now, that conflict would be uh, eliminated, Lord. Divorce would be thwarted. That the living God would rise up and say, children, come to me. I'll help you learn to have a good marriage together. As he speaks to each one, now die to yourself. Now die to yourself. Look to me and live in me. I pray that. I pray right now in possible situations right now. Reversed by the power of God in the name of Jesus. Broken, reversed. That people would know they serve a God of the impossible. Let hope, let faith rise up. We're just going to begin to worship, and I want you to just receive from God. Take a few minutes. I'm telling you, there is something powerful happening here. I feel such a shift of things. And I'm telling you, there's assignments going out too. He's going to show up. If you will give him room this week, I don't care how old you are, look in the mirror, read the word, and declare the word over your life. I'm telling you, there's going to be powerful things happening. You're going to be amazed at the things God begins to do this week. And then you need to open your mouth and testify and tell people about what happened. Tell them how God changed you. Tell them how he intervened. Let it be, Jesus.